I'm ready sh- to Shania this up. To Shania? Yeah, Shania Twain. You ready? Let's go, girls. Welcome to Literary Cannonball, inspired by the work of the Stella Count that reveals the ongoing gender imbalance in the conversations we have about books. Literary Cannonball is striving to correct some of that imbalance by talking about books written by women from around the world. I'm Kirby Fenwick and I'm joined by... Neve Marnie, student by day, writer, editor by night and reader by nature. Wearer of beautiful purple dress. Oh, thank you. And... Fee Murphy, wearing navy and blue denim and sweating. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily we do have a bit of air con uh, today because it is a bit warm out there in Melbourne. Mm. Oven like some would say. (laughs) I'm just not on board. I'm I'm an autumn winter spring girl but I'm not a summer girl. It's like the intense dry wind. I'm just like the wind wind is bad. Yeah. Yeah it's like if if there's like a cool breeze i can deal like it's not great but i can deal with it but when it's hot with hot wind mm-mm. melbourne doesn't do breeze as well it's all or nothing like we're going gale force or calm in like one day yeah with a bit of rain thrown in just for good measure <laughs> okay let's get to our book chats for episode 19 a mix of memoir, reportage, fiction, satire and critique, Alison Whitaker's Black Work is an original and unapologetic collection from which two things emerge, an incomprehensible loss and the poet's fearless examination of the present. Whitaker, a Gomorrah multitasker from the floodplains of Gondagai in New South Wales, I pinched that from the Wheeler Centre and I think it's Alison's like, um, bio intro and I love it, mm. has been, um, Alison's been published in the Sydney Review of Books, Seizure, Overland, Westerly, Griffith Review, The Lift of Brown, Meandre and Archer, so basically everywhere, was the co-winner of the Overland Judith Wright Poetry Prize in 2017. And most recently, she was the Australian Indigenous Poet in Residence for the 2018 Queensland Poetry Festival. Neve, you brought this to the podcast. Why? Well, when I was doing some reading, trying to diversify my reading, I picked up um, Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia and I read Alison Whitaker's piece there. So then I regularly just go into Dimmicks and see, like, go into their, like, poetry section and see if there's any new collections. And I saw Alison Winnicott. I looked at the beautiful cover. It's looked, gorgeous. Yep. Then I just sort of flipped through and I'm like, yep, I'm buying this. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's the story. I have to say aesthetically. Mm. And that, um, and we do kind of t- touch on aesthetics a little bit here, but aesthetically, this is a, this is a stunning book. Mm. It is, and we've put some pictures on our social media, and obviously you'll see some on the website and, and across um, social media when the episode comes out. But it is just like the cover is just beautiful, but even the inside, like the the way it's been um, laid out in the book, and the way um, the text appears on the page, and the space and around the words, and it's it's very it's, it's a very beautiful book. Mm. It really is like not even delving into what's actually like the words it is just a just a gorgeous book yeah which is nice i think <laughs> it's nice for books to be like 
for the words to be beautiful but for the everything else that goes along with the book to be beautiful as well not to say I don't like a bad cover because Neve you know I love a bad cover but I, I also like it when they're when they're gorgeous um Faye what did you think of black work I felt like it was an experience entering each section so the book is divided um into kind of different sections uh, with the word work associated as a grouping so it opens with white work and moves into blood work story work the abattoir is another section heart work bad work 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 the school and so on Mm. and I agree with um what you were saying about the typesetting. So a lot of the poems require an element of work from the reader because Mm. they don't have a logical left-to-right linear sort of um, setup. Yeah. And I really enjoy taking my Mm. time figuring out the rules and the rhythms to each um, piece of poetry of, like, for example, um, sometimes the words are presented in two quite spaced-out columns, so I'd read top to bottom of the column and then read across the column and then read the other column and change the order and manner of reading. Yeah. So even though the poems are quite short, they're often only, say, maybe two to 300 words or so or even less than that, I spent quite a bit of time pausing over each poem and going, okay, how to enter this experience and how to play with this experience and... Um, trying to figure out all the different ways of um, being with the words on the page. That's really interesting. I, I really, I agree like that. I mean, there's some even where you kind of have to turn the book like on its side because it yeah. goes like, um, what word am I looking for? But like instead it's of landscape. Running, yeah, 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 it's landscape and not portrait. Um, and that's something as a reader I really enjoy, whether I'm reading poetry or fiction or nonfiction. Mm. If I have to do a little bit of work, um, I enjoy that. It almost feels like um, it feels like you've earned the the experience that you get from from that reading. If you have to do that little bit of work, mm. and I don't know, it's just it's a nice experience when you have to when it's you have to kind of you know, pick up your reading tools and, and dig in and, and do that little bit of work to get to that point, to get to that understanding, to get to that knowledge. That's a really nice feeling and that is something that I really appreciated Yeah. in this collection. Actually, I enjoyed that often I didn't have the knowledge, like interpreting the poems. Um, mm. They're a, a beautiful sort of abstraction often and incredible images and I would be well aware of like I don't have this knowledge to understand this but I'm still enjoying the experience and of reading the words and knowing that I'll return back to it and hopefully over time get more of an understanding there's a lot of the poems um Mm. I don't think I have a deep understanding of at all it feels like there's a bit of subtext to a lot of things as well like Mm. what you read on the page is is one story and then but there's layers underneath that and you're right it's one of those things you come back to and as you age and perhaps as you learn more about the world and about the history of this particular country you can sort of un- begin to 
get some understanding of those layers. I did feel that too when I was reading. It's like, okay, I'm reading it at this level, but I get this feeling that there's there's like subtext under here and other meanings that I don't know. Mm. Yeah. In terms of work, I think that's part of it. You, you need to sort of work, I think, to start unpacking or at least, yeah, the need, it needs several readings. And also I think when I was reading this book, I thought a lot about the importance, because um, we talk a lot about the importance of reading books that reflect your own life, especially if you're in a minority, just seeing your like experience represented, I think is really important. What is equally as important is reading other people's experiences. Yes. And engaging with that knowing that this book isn't for you Mm -hmm. like engaging it as a guest and coming into it so like going into it maybe if you're not super familiar with the history of Australia going at it with it with maybe your phone or your laptop on hand maybe to just google something or like engaging in some of that in work in sort of and doing that work as a reader like being willing to do that work Mm. and broaden your understanding and learn something not just expecting it to be not just expecting it to be there for you Mm. yeah Mm. that's really important but there is such a there is so many beautiful poems and such a I felt like there was there was like a real rhythm to some pieces like I almost Mm. felt like this could be like spoken aloud or you know, not not just something that appears on the page, but actually performed. Like it, they just yeah. felt like a rhythm in the words. Did did you guys get any of that, or am I? Oh, um, um, absolutely, no. most um, definitely. The poem I felt um, completely drawn into the rhythm, um, in particular, is called "Bathe," and it opens with the line "Squared against the swoop of sea." And I was like, mm. "Oof," and it kind of has that rolling sort of wave to it and it just it's so full of fun and excitement and then the final line in the poem is this is a poem about not suffering Mm, and everything about it is kind of a a beautiful gift and delight yeah sometimes that's a really great last line especially when a good last line is when you read it and then you're like Ah, okay. It's because you're engaging with it, and then the last line brings in it maybe even something, and it casts like another like mm. like another line of the work, and then you reread it again, and that, it, that's a real and you have you get that other like, meaning again, and this other layer again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What? I really I had marked that one too. Yeah, one <laughs> thing I one poem I think really engages in that sort of rhythm is um, BPM, where it has sort of like 100, 120, and eighty. Um, and I was sort of, I used that prompt as a way of reading, like as sort of like the beats, the beat yeah. of it. And I felt like that was a really interesting way of representing poetry. Cause I think sometimes poetry is so much about how it sounds mm. and the struggle is how do you represent that on the page? And I yeah. thought that was a really clever way of sort of yeah, absolutely. representing that. Another, um, there's some found poetry in here. So Mm. Alison is, I believe she has a law degree, is a lawyer. She's, she, um, 
has that kind of background as well. And there's some found poetry in here, which was some of the most um, striking for me and um, quite powerful. Um, so she has gone into um, and read documentation around um, coronial inquests. Mm. Um, and there's one in particular about um, the death of Miss, Miss Do. And so she's gone through there and found the most common three word phrases and has, you know, put that together. And it's, they're quite, at the, and there's others um, of a similar vein. And they're quite, um, they're quietly powerful. Mm. Like as you read, there's sort of like, there's that bit of repetition of words and, and that sort of layering of, of what this is about and what this language means. Mm. And because obviously it's come from like legal documents, there's kind of a feel to the language that is there as well. I, I thought they were really powerful because of what is behind them and where they have come from and then what appears on the page as well. Like it's got that sort of dual power there. What did you guys think of those ones? The first one of the found poems is of the, and there she uses the technique of the three word phrases, but mm. because it's, um, they're the specific words used by the, in the judgment of Justice Gray, honing that into one person, one person's judgment, it's, it's an incredibly um, difficult poem to read um, as someone who has no lived experience in that at all it is such a powerful mm. poem particularly one stanza um, remove aboriginal children to remove aboriginal an aboriginal child and knowing that these are the words used in judgment mm. Mm. in 2007 like there are so many issues and so many um pieces of pain inflicted upon the indigenous community and in judgment, some um, this collection of poems kind of writes deeply into that, and it's it's an incredible collection. Yeah, the 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 found poems were I thought really powerful, but there was some other stuff in there. Um, they almost felt like they almost felt like short stories or like mini like essay type pieces. Do you know the ones I mean? Like, yeah, the... they were still quite lyrical. Um, absolutely like there was no loss of that of the sort of beautiful language but things like not a lake which appears in the school which um uh, they're, they're kind of like yeah I, I don't really know how else to explain them rather than like mini well, short stories or mini essays I think that's the feel like a poem to me yeah I think that's part of like the reportage yeah element of it um, I don't know. I feel like they're not easily classified and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, no, so am I. Like, mm. I'm, but I really enjoyed them. That They were like this... Um, th there's so much in this collection. There's so many different styles and and, yeah. um, and ways that things, that ideas are put together and, and that was one of the ones that I really... I just really enjoyed them. I thought they were just these kind of like little snippets, these little vignettes, and they were just so beautifully crafted and mm. I just really enjoyed them. And I would – it made me sort of think I would read a novel by Alison Winokur or a collection of short stories. Like I would 
like willingly jump into that if she ever decided that that was what she wanted to do Mm. because I could just sort of see in those moments that would be wonderful I love how one poem speaks to the next to the next or one essay or um, vignette or Mm. memoir piece or reportage so as you get further into the collection you've got a grounding in who her family members are of um Mm. so she's got her grandfather who was a security guard at the abattoir her mother and father and her sister and also how she makes it very contemporary like she talks about tamworth she talks about the internet and digital natives and kind of apps and don't at me and social media and it's pretty playful in some sections absolutely Mm. yeah it is like not one note not one tone at all it is kind of coming in and out and circling around ideas and feelings and emotions and it just like it's quite surprising as you go through yeah like oh and that idea clangs against this idea and this emotion and it's just such a kaleidoscope how did you guys read it did you go Neve? I know we were discussing this Mm. um, the other day did you read it from like front to back like how did you read it yeah I was very linear with it front to back at the beginning I was sort of dipping in I tried to do front to back then I dipped in and out and then I went back and went so I sort of tried a couple of different ways of reading this I I think front to back works Mm. especially with the abattoir section Mm. I feel like that builds in your understanding of the abattoir what it means in what yeah yeah and then how it's like it becomes layered and layered about the community and Mm. then talking about refugees and how like the the tensions between sort of like this simmering sort of like um so yeah this sort of segregated Tamworth um then was sort of disrupted by a new black and the old black versus the new black yeah yeah well, not versus but like you've got this just in that environment mm, and yeah that how that sort of wound its way through I thought was really 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 interesting really well done but yeah I think you needed to get the full experience of it you needed to start from the beginning and it kind of feels like that's the way it's been set up yeah like I'm not to say that you couldn't go back and read things again and again because of course you will and I will and I'm sure you both will as well but it feels like it was established like established feels like it was structured to be read that way Mm. but maybe that's just my yeah. And also about the playfulness, I think scissors. The emojis. Yeah, the scissors <laughs> anchor pistol. This is actually when you, or at least in my interpretation of this poem, is an incredibly, actually deals with incredibly dark topics, but in a way that's in, like quite playful and or accessible. Well, emojis have that kind of ability, yeah. don't they? Mm. Um, and I've like actually like, done like tried to write like mini kind of stories with emojis and it's like it's doable like you can do it Mm. and obviously Alison's done it as well um but yeah they do have that kind of like dual kind of yeah it's an emoji it's playful but also like we could we could be doing like or having really heavy conversation via emoji and that's also doable Mm. yeah yeah but uh, yeah, I just wanted to point it out because I feel like 
it just sort of speaks to how creative and how many different like I think there's a pressure when there's a poetry collection to have like the poet to have some sort of consistent style mm. like you know how you know if you read read that poem then you'd know that that's that author but i I really enjoyed having the diversity of style and of like I think that helped me navigate through it especially points where it's incredibly intense and fraught moments in Australian history and in our current political moment mm. as well so yeah I, I yeah I enjoyed it and also I just like variation generally I think as when you're reading it too that um like has an impact on your experience when you're reading it if if you're kind of you know moving between different styles and different like as you were saying at the beginning like that sort of different structure when the way words appear on the page I don't know you just like you turn the page and it's like what you know you don't really know what to expect at least on the first reading mm. and so that kind of it might be something different it might be a bit of found poetry it might be more of like a sort of longer piece it might be emojis it might be you know like and that kind of makes for a really interesting experience as a reader mm. because you do have that difference happening throughout it yeah that was my experience anyway I liked that element of it mm. I also just really loved how unapologetic it was mm. there was no sort of and I think that connects back to that idea of sort of it not being for me yeah because I think there's a pressure in the publishing industry to gear things towards a white middle-aged audience Mm -hmm. who are the in quote sort of the people who buy books but I feel like that's a bit of a it's that it's people who generally buy print books I feel like that that it's an important the, distinction. Yeah, I think that's a more complicated narrative than maybe people give it credit for. And pit, like authors of colour have written about this, so sort of like a sort of adopting a white lens, even as they're writing something, mm. trying to think about how it might play out. And I don't, well, I'm, obviously I can't tell because I'm white, but I don't see a lot of that in here. Like I think this is, and she actually writes, it was something about like a very... Um, and one of her poems sort of just writing honestly and authentically. And I think you can really see it here. And it's really, it's really good to see books like this published and widely read. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, this country has 60,000 plus years of, in, of Indigenous history and culture. It, indigenous stories and storytelling and... It, that should be a massive part of our of our of the broader Australian culture because it is mm. so I, I agree it's important for collections like these to exist and to be out in the world and to be read yeah I especially loved um, one of the poems called Feral Girls which yes uh, I just because <laughs> on one hand it, like, it tapped into that thing when you're especially when you're a young like when yeah it tapped into that thing of like admiring other women and how like they live their lives I feel like is a thing that a mm. lot of people experience and also just a huge fuck you to the respectability politics element yeah. of it 
I just it was a really great and the imagery was just yeah amazing that was one of my faves as well I Mm. marked that one down too folded the page over sorry apologies for any people that are anti-dog earring pages but I I did it (laughs) it's not a library book it's okay (laughs) so are we giving the two thumbs up to black work most definitely yeah yeah, absolutely, me too. I'm really glad that you um, suggested it and that we got a chance to read it and that I get to um, add it to my to my collection of poetry books. An ever-growing collection. It actually is, and I think you've been a big influence on that, to be honest. <laughs> it, it's no still, my poetry collection is still only about half a shelf, you know, maybe like mm. but I love it, 30 centimetres. That, well, that's mm. in my, in my defence, yes, they are quite slender. Yeah. That's yeah. one thing that I really enjoy about um, this collection, and I would definitely give it two thumbs up as well, is that it's it's a long poetry collection. Yeah, it's, mm. quite, it's for quite a hefty, debut. Yeah. It is, um, it's not a debut. Oh, it's, it's not a debut. Second, second no, no. Book, yeah. um, actually, her debut has done so well that it's been re-released. And oh. that's oh. Lemons in the Chicken Wire. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. this is um, Blackworks gone into a second print run. That's how well it's doing. Yeah, magnificent. Um, Isn't so that it's fantastic not a debut, for but, uh, poetry? Yeah. I really oh. enjoy that. Um, how long it is. Mm. poetry collections can be little kind of moments very tiny yeah there's there's a lot of work in here there's a lot of work in here Mm. um which is nice it's nice to kind of have like a a hefty book and it's what like 170 something pages yeah and i think that's also a good thing going back to the variation like because it's so long we needed the variation whereas with other yeah. you you could have maybe a similar style in poetry because it's only like maybe 15 or 20 poems and you're not fussed there this is it's a lot of a lot of work yeah yeah no I, I i really enjoyed it and i'm um i'm keen to read more of her work and like i said i'm hopeful that perhaps she'll write some short stories or longer <laughs> longer pieces that i can uh that I can devour. So that's two thumbs up all around. Yay. Nice one. Okay, so to our recommendations, what have we been reading and watching and listening to that we want to give the two thumbs up to? I'm happy to go first. Yeah, go for it, Faye. <laughs> Um, Pens out, ready to start making a list. You know when you kind of look back over the reading that you do, you've done lately, and so I choose books randomly, and I just kind of get some from the library, some from my bookshop, and then I look back and I'm like, wow, they were all of a particular. Yeah, thing. they're incredibly yeah. grouped together thematically. Even though I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm a woman of the world. So like, <laughs> I go with the wind. <laughs> Nobody can hold me down except what I'm drawn to. <laughs> um, so the first recommendation is a collection of essays called Where It Hurts by Sarah Deleu. It was published in 2017 um, by a small Canadian press. And this was recommended by Jennifer Down on her Twitter a little while ago. Um, And I'm really glad that she recommended it. They're an incredible collection, these essays. 
where you feel quite comfortable heading into the essay quite spacious and then it becomes quite traumatic quite quickly in quite a blindsiding way and the feelings evoked in each essay I still think of a lot of the images in this collection and I read it about six or seven weeks ago and the feelings um, are just tremendously articulate in each essay and basically the author she's a social worker and she lives in quite isolated places in Canada and she works a lot with the indigenous population particularly young women um, and more concerned with kind of health reproductive health and that sort of thing and there's a lot of violence towards women and an incredible amount of um, poverty as well but she doesn't take anyone's stories and experience. It's all through her own lens and through small moments in her life where she's driving a car and she sees something happen or she goes to the cinema, she gets flashbacks to certain things or she's swimming at a pool and and this traumatic event happens. But she never kind of, she's never a trauma tourist. Mm. She doesn't kind of stretch and emphasize other people's pain. Um, it's so personal that it becomes a lot sharper, particularly for the reader as well. And they're quite, it's a slim collection, but it just speaks volumes. And I think it's one that I'll just, um, I had to order in specially because I don't think it's available in Australia. And it's exquisite. It's poetic. It's powerful. It's punchy, but it mm-hmm. resonates. This is, it's going to sit with me for a long time. And the next one is also a collection of essays and it's called Birds, Art, Life, Death, A Field Guide to the Small and in, uh, Small and Significant. And it's by Kyo McClear. It was also published in 2017 and it's also a Canadian writer and essayist. And she's in this strange transition point in her life where she's just had a child and she feels like her creativity has been sucked away from her. But it's not of the elk of like mother memoir like it took me quite a long time to realize that this her children are mentioned occasionally in it but Mm. it's more about her connection to the world at large and who she is within herself and she's in this kind of feeling disconnected from everything and not being able to produce work because she's an artist and a writer and she's kind of like overwhelmed but not overwhelmed she's in this stasis and she befriends this musician who's a bird watcher and they spend the year watching birds together and he's like incredibly knowledgeable about birds and they go on these like long hikes together and she starts to learn to sit with discomfort and observe the world at large rather than analyzing and critiquing herself and the collection of essays it's structured as seasons and each season she sees different birds and she does drawings of them and they're these little vignettes and she kind of um, starts investigating creativity and other people and the small and significant moments in life Mm. so these little kind of pauses and vignettes scattered throughout the book of other people's kind of process of creativity, other people's process of observing and living in the world. And over the course of the book, you get to know her more and more. So it's not linear, it's not scattershot, it's like a beautiful song where everything just sits just so. 
Mm. And I just kind of go gobbled it up and it talks about life and death and in between and um, it's pretty stunning. And the last one I read yesterday and I was meant to like do some proofreading work and I was like, I'll just pick up this book for a second, whatever. For a second. (laughs) (laughs) And then I finished it and it was finishing a book in an afternoon is quite delightful as well Mm -hmm. um, to be in a, a space and a mode Um, that the author intended and it's called Half a Life and it's a memoir and it was released in 2011 it's by Darren Strauss who is a fiction writer and who had released three fiction books before coming to this memoir and uh, I should have brought the book it opens with an incredible line of uh, something along the lines of half my life ago I killed a girl and it goes from uh, the day it opens up where he um, is driving along with some friends and a cyclist swerves in front of him and he has no way of avoiding them and he's just finishing high school and she's in the year below and it kind of reverberates from there and it's a memoir of guilt and survival of what trauma is um, what it means to live through something and reckon with something and also to carry a secret with you um, because he treats it like a secret because there's so much stigma around it. Even though he's mm. absolved by the community quite immediately, um, he has to figure out what to do with that information and how to live his life, particularly when the girl's mother um, kind of beseeches him to live two lives now. He has to live for both of them, for the girl that passed away and for his own life. Um, it's kind of quite fragmentary. That's why I read it so quickly. Um, it's 180 pages and it says in the back there's this, a few beautiful interviews and an essay sort of reflecting on it. The book did quite well in America. It won the National Critics um, Memoir section. Mm. Um, and it... He's kind of reflecting on the book and it was something that he avoided thinking about even though he thought about constantly this story but he had never reckoned with the story until he was like in his late 30s and he just had his own children. Um, And he kind of writes that into the book as well, why he was avoiding this and why he was doing this and um, I don't even know where I was going with that thought. It's, yeah, it's an incredible transformative memoir not transforming that it's a clearer like I started here and I ended here it's more it makes you really think about emotions and consequences of accidents they're the three that I recommend nothing but trauma 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 memoir (laughs) memoir memoir (laughs) but they're all I I thoroughly recommend all three Mm. no they sound really gay I mean your recommendations always do sound really great so it's not surprising just, you know, lighthearted beach stuff. Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Beach reads. <laughs> um, you want to go or should I go, Neve? I'll go. Okay. All right. Um, so I've been a little busy this month. You have been a little busy. <laughs> so I haven't, I've, I haven't read a lot of, like, books or I haven't read a lot of books that I want to re- recommend. So what I will recommend is some TV that I've been watching to de-stress. Um... My first recommendation, you 
probably already heard of it, but you know what? Whatever. The Twitter isn't in the whole world, so maybe you haven't. (laughs) (laughs) I, when I was in high school, a friend really got me into Doctor Who, and I watched a lot of it. I sort of dropped off um, post-Tenant era, um, but I was hearing so so many great things about the new Jodie Whittaker Mm. um, season. I was like, yeah, sure, let's jump on. I'm specifically recommending the third episode called Rosa, which is about yeah. Rosa Parks. And the they get the crew um, time travel back to Montgomery, Alabama, just before Rosa Parks, um, you know, sits down, refuses to stand um, on the bus. I really loved this episode. Mostly, I, th- I really liked how... I. In terms of race and time travel, I think sometimes a lot of um, TV shows, including Doctor Who, can be a little hand-wavy. Like, they'll mention it, and there might be a comment or two on it. I've seen a few times, but then it sort of moves on. It's not really explored or investigated in a really, like, thought-out and and deliberate way. Whereas with this, you know... Jodie Whittaker is white and one of the other actors is a white guy, um, also, weirdly enough, a bus driver. Um, but two of the other characters are um, characters of colour. So how they move through the space is very much impacted in this time. And I think the choice to really deal with the ramifications of it made it so much more powerful if than if they had just been sort of like oh, yeah, it's all right. It's, we're just not, not going to deal with it. Mm. Um, and it makes the last scene even more powerful as well. But, yeah, I think even if you're not super into sci-fi or anything, it's just a really interesting episode, like a just really seminal episode of TV just, just to check out. Yeah, just reiterate everything that you said. I've, mm. I've been watching the series because... Um, I watched. I sort of started watching Doctor Who probably like a year ago. I would just sort of like catch episodes on iView, mm. but I kind of have made a point to like be watching these episodes, uh, and that was I. I thought a really brilliantly well done episode because they didn't shy away from that reality, and they actually like it was there, mm. and like pointedly there. Yeah, it was a really good episode. Yeah. Plus, I always love, um, and you can. This is one of the great, great things about time travel is sort of like when someone who has the knowledge of what a person is about to be interacts with them before they're yeah. really famous. So it's sort of like, I'm speaking with Rosa Parks and yeah. Martin Luther King. This is super chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, like, that's a very specific kind of comedy, but I really love it. And this, has, this episode has been in spades. Um, then my second recommendation is the reboot of Charmed. Uh, because has it been rebooted? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, look, I'm probably gonna get some flack for this because online there has been a heated debate about this <laughs> about this reboot. Look, it's not like it's you know it's not like the uh, writing is particularly like groundbreaking, but I really enjoy it. Mm. And also, I enjoyed the last charm as well, but let's be real, it was really hetero, it was really white, <laughs> like, it was of its time. Um, and with this new Charmed, like, you can see, you can sort of see elements of, like, Buffy and elements of, like, newer 
sort of more progressive yeah, right. shows like dovetailing into this one and um is yeah. it still pretty much the same premise of the sisters living in a yeah. house together yeah are they new actors or the same actors new actors all women all actors of color uh, ah, yeah. I have seen nothing about this. I have seen nothing about this either. Yeah. What like where is it where is it screening like um, where are you where are you I watching think it? Channel ten is yeah. Oh okay, right. Okay, yeah. so on commercial TV. So yeah, it's on commercial TV. Um and yeah, it's really good. And also it's really like current and political as a lot of American TV shows are right now. And I think maybe it navigates on the side of like being a little bit hammy with it, but also at the same time, I don't care. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring it bring it on. I'm yeah. just I'm just here for it. Plus it scratches my like I wanna watch a bit, watch things about witches, but I don't wanna go so dark like Sabrina the new reboot of Sabrina. Mm. And I have lots of thoughts about that, but I won't get into that. Yeah. Thing. I just want like wholesome witches that have the empowerment and the sort of like the cool witchy stuff also quite a bit of science in there just oh (laughs) (laughs) one of the sisters is um is working in a lab um but not so much that like because i just don't want anything dark right now to be honest fair enough fair enough it's my take. So yeah, they've got. They've Neither got, do I. Neither do I. I don't know why I keep <laughs> reading like so sad books. I, that's the annoying thing is I've been actively seeking uplifting books, and the universe is it's like no, smacking you down. <laughs> um, also, there was like um, one of the sisters you find out very early is gay, and she has a relationship, and that's really lovely. I mean, all relationships and charmed are pretty much doomed but you know what <laughs> just gonna enjoy it while it lasts exactly <laughs> i'm gonna check it out i'm already watching doctor who but i'm gonna check it out Child. yeah i like it it's fun cool <laughs> well i have some books to mm. recommend i've actually been able to do a little bit of reading of late um which has been really lovely so i have some great books to recommend um first one is a collection of short stories by and i'm going to butcher this so i apologize to the entire irish community <laughs> <laughs> it is by Julia O'Flane. O'Fallon? I don't anyway, it's gonna be on the links, okay? I'm I'm sorry. It's called Daughter of the Passion. Please don't make me give my passport back. It's called Daughter of the Passion. It's a collection of short stories. Um there's like this like sort of subtitle but not subtitle on the front that says nine elegantly disconcerting glimpses into love and i think that's a really um succinct description of this collection Mm. um they are brilliant short stories i adored this collection i had to stop myself from racing through it i was trying to sort of drip feed it to myself and (laughs) and savor it they're just they're just oh i've just fallen in love with her um I got her name from just like the internet as an Irish woman writer. I wanted to read more Irish woman writers. I bought this book off eBay. I think it cost me like six ninety nine or something. Um, it's an old penguin. It's quite battered, mm. um, but the stories are great. They 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 are quite um, different, mm. um, but there's there's sort of elements of like um, the IRA in London and. There's like a bit of um, 
um, revel other revolutions happening um, throughout Europe. Um, it was released in 1982, but I guess some of the stories are sort of set probably a little bit earlier than that. But it's just a really wonderful collection, um, brilliant stories, brilliantly crafted, really clever, some really good twists in there that I really enjoyed. So brilliant collection, 10 out of 10, read it. And I'm going to be tracking down everything this woman has ever written because <laughs> I'm low-key obsessed with her now. Um, the next one is a novella which was actually shortlisted for the Stella Prize. Um, Mirandi Ruau, I probably stuffed that up as well. The Fish Girl. A friend of mine lent this to me and I've like um, had it sitting in my TBR for a few months and I kind of wanted something to read the other day and I thought, oh, this is like really short. You know, it's a novella, it's like 97 pages or something. And I, I just picked it up like you were saying, Fee, just like, I like read it over the space of like an hour and a half or something or two hours. The ending is quite devastating, mm -hmm. but it's so powerful and so brilliantly written. I was reading it with this like in this sort of like feeling of dread just building in my belly. Like I knew what was coming. I knew what was coming, but that was okay. Um, it's just, it's just, a, it's, I'm not surprised it was shortlisted. It's a beautiful, beautifully constructed story. It's incredibly powerful. It's still lingering with me now. Like I'm still kind of thinking about it. Um, yeah, highly recommend that. Um, I just but got it a is... novel coming out. Oh, does she really? Yeah, mm -hmm. with uh, University of Queensland Press, and it's about the gold rush in Queensland. Okay, so I'll be buying that because this was spectacular. Um, it is a little heavy though, so just be aware of that going yeah. in, that there are some elements to it which are maybe a bit tough, um, but it's worth it if you can read it. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I'm going to go and buy my own copy because it's one of those ones I'm going to want to come back and read again. Um, and I think, I think my friend's going to want hers back. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one um, is a bit of change of pace um, from the previous two. two published in 2017, Celeste Ng's Little Fires Everywhere, which I just raced through. I just really loved it. It's just like this family drama. Mm. It's kind of set in this, like, designed community that's perfect and nothing ever goes wrong. And then uh, a single mother and her daughter move in and it's like, um, it's like they're a stone that's been thrown into this... Um, you know this really quiet pond and then the ripples just sort of come out and like, things kind of implode and it begins with a house that's burnt to the ground and and then you sort of go back and how did we get to this house that's burnt to the ground I um love stories that do that it's mm. it's so great it's there's a lot of different ideas and and things that are happening in here there's um interracial adoption and like sort of wrestling with that a little bit um there's mother-daughter relationships there's family there's um teenage sex there's abortion there's there's a lot going on in this book mm. but it's so well put together the writing is just really great um the characters are really great it's i thoroughly enjoyed it also seeking out everything celeste has ever written to read <laughs> Um, and and the, an element of that story that has kind of stuck with me is that idea of um, pursuing your art, of pursuing um, your sort of creative projects and what that means and, and 
what that means to you, but what it means to people in your world as well, which is kind of an, a bit of an idea around um, uh, one of the mothers in the story. But yeah, brilliant book. Um, really enjoyed reading it. And that copy's mine, so I can dog ear it and keep, hey. it, in the, keep it in the pile. But yeah, so that's, um, that's yeah, what, um, what I've been reading the last few weeks and thoroughly enjoying. Do you know what I just remembered about my Dog 2 recommendation? Um, as well as the staff writer, they got another writer, Mallory Blackman, to write that episode. And in year eight, I read her book, all her books, in the Noughts and Crosses series, which was like one of my like sort of, oh, racism is a real thing, sort of awakening, of, like reads. So I don't know, it feels very like... But also really good for them to, um, she's a black woman, so really good for them to have, um, like, an actual black woman writing. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so it was good that they had her on. And also, I think that the element of awareness, I think, probably could be, and of how things were framed, I think, maybe could be attributed to her contribution. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lots of great recommendations. I'm so grateful I got to talk to you guys about some of those books because, yeah, really, really, really enjoyed them. So I'm quietly nice reserving them at reserving the library them. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, focus. <laughs> no, look, I, I just, yeah, can't recommend, um, can't recommend them enough. Good stuff. Yeah. It's nice to sort of, you know... Like get to a book and just absolutely love it that much that you're like racing through it and you can't wait to like get back to it and mm. you know you're trying to like slip a chapter in between you know what you're doing in the day or whatever. It's mm. just such a nice feeling. It's just a really nice feeling, especially yeah, exactly. like you know reading books for uni and like having to read them <laughs> and like not enjoying them. <laughs> it's a nice feeling to be like into that reading experience again. Yeah. It's good. Oh, definitely. I think something about having to read a book really sucks some of the joy out of reading it. I, I have different experiences. Sometimes I really love the book and so mm. it's just re- it's a really joyful experience and I thoroughly enjoy it. Like Ceremony earlier this year yeah. by Leslie Maher and Silco, that was for American Lit Unit, but I love the book so much that it didn't matter. Yeah. But I'm reading one at the moment and I'm really pushing myself through it because I have to write an essay about it. <laughs> <laughs> The joys, the joys of studying literature. <laughs> All right, I reckon that's how it's done. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Literary Cannonball. We hope, we hope you'll tune in again next month because we have a bit of a different episode next month. Tell us more, Kirby. We're going to do a little bit of a summer wrap-up of the year. What are we going to read episode? It's just going to be a little bit of um, a Is bit this of fun. the remix version? Oh, it's the remix, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. Um, yeah, it's just going to be fun. We'll chat about books from this year, but we'll also talk about what is in our TBR and what we're going to be devouring over the summer. So hopefully mm. people will get some hot tips from that for their own TBR part. Yeah. It'll help everyone stay sun safe. The inside reading. Inside reading. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And maybe we can listen back to our old one and listen to the um, resolutions we made and be like, oh, oh wow, God. I totally didn't keep to those resolutions. 
I distinctly remember declaring that it'll be a year of genre. Wow. I'm pretty sure I made that <laughs> made that call too, so I'll have to go back through and have a look at what I read, but I'm not sure I managed to keep that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might just have to like slattle in like some like. It's some great being bold and optimistic <laughs> at like the start of a new year. It's the best time to be bold and optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. In the meantime, if you want to continue the conversation or if you just want your digital friends, you can follow us on Twitter at LitCannonball, on Instagram at LiteraryCannonball, or find us on Facebook. And if you have something to tell us that's a little more than 280 characters, send us an email. We love to get all the emails. We sure do. um, At LiteraryCannonball at gmail.com. Or if you have like some suggestions for books that we could read, great idea. Definitely yes. shoot us an email if you think that there's a book um, that or is tweet kind of, us or tweet us or comment on our Instagram if you think that there's a book that is like within our remit, mm. written by a woman in the world is our remit. Although we are open to literature from other planets, uh, yeah, definitely let us know. Give us some tips. We're always looking for um, new stuff. Yeah, feel free to comment on Instagram. There's always some really lovely comments on um, the posts and things like that. Keep doing it. I love it. I really, really love it. It's nice. nice. Instagram is such a nice space in some sections. Yeah, (laughs) Instagram's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And whilst you're flicking through the interwebs, please check out our website. It's like really beautiful, and there's white space and pictures, and it's just. And lots Such of books. A calming, yeah. calming environment. And that is literarycannibal.com. And you'll find a full wrap of the show notes and a full list of and links to all our recommendations. That's literarycannibal.com. Perfect. I think we're done. Yeah. Go put some sunscreen on. Oh, I've got to go back to work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're out of here. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Now I'm just sort of one of those people who, like, I just look at the page number. I'm just like, I'll more or less remember that. Great. I'm just going to keep on going. Oh, no, I can't do that. I have, like, bookmarks and stuff, and sometimes, um, you know, I'll just fold the page over, but I can't remember the page. I'll just figure it out. And then I spend 10 minutes trying to find where I was. Mm. That's valuable waiting minutes. That's true. Yeah, I think I might go back into, get back into the swing of dog earring. So I was peer pressured out of it, and now I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going dog ear. Good. Mm. Good for you, me. <laughs>